You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out on this Wednesday morning, the Caldwell Banker Group One Roadie Studio in West Monroe. We always look forward to catching up with ULM head baseball coach Michael Federico on Wednesdays around 8 o'clock. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coach, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good, bud. Uh, a couple of questions, first of all, uh, with midweek games and the fact that you guys did not have one this week. How nice is it just to kind of kick back and kind of get refocused and, and then uh, – kick back on a Tuesday and Wednesday knowing that you're not playing this week. It is. You know, we're kind of at that midway point of the season. And um, when I, you know, when I got here, I, I realized on the schedule that, uh, you know, kind of that I inherited that uh, there was no midweek game. I actually tried to get one and uh, just wasn't able to because it was, you know, late in the summer. And uh, now that I, now that I have it, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of like it. I feel like we had a kind of a tough spring break week last week and, um, you know, guys are going to have to start buckling down in the classroom a little bit with just about a month left, and um, it's kind of time for our guys just to kind of recharge their batteries a little bit. I told them on Sunday that I didn't want to see anybody at the field on Monday, and I didn't, mm-hmm. so it was good. And then yesterday I had a good day, got in the weight room, and um, you know, just trying to mend the body back a little bit and um, get ready for this stretch run down here. Coach, I'm always curious with a Tuesday and a Wednesday night off. Do you then monitor what's taking place around the country in college baseball with some of these midweek games? Um, actually, I, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it last night. Um, I, uh, you know, I got on D1 baseball and just kind of looked up a couple scores, but uh, I didn't. I didn't really, you know, look at it hard. I, I kind of tried to, like I said, just tried to get away um, from it for a, for a night or two. Uh, there was a score, and I, I want to bring it up to you, of course, what took place up in Little Rock in a, a program you're very familiar with after playing two games against them, Arkansas, and a program that you'll become even more familiar with in Grambling as you've got a couple games of them coming up. you surprised at all at the fact that, uh, you know, Grambling has that lead uh, going into the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth, then Razorbacks answer with four to win that thing seven to six? You know, I, I don't. I'm not surprised at anything with college baseball, I think, you know, I actually talked to Coach Van Horn about that last week when we were playing, and um, you know, I know his team's very good, um, you know, ranked very highly, and it's, you know, it's like he and I were talking that any team can be beaten, and just matters kind of what goes on the mound, and um, and you know, it doesn't surprise me, I and mean, you've seen upsets pretty much every day, and you know, I think that the thing is with with mid-major programs, and um, you know, we all have one or two. Really dominating arms, and you know if that guy throws well on that night, anybody can be beaten. Um, sometimes it's just it's a matter of the depth, and you know teams like Arkansas, they uh, they have just sometimes a little bit more depth where they can play a little bit of that matchup when you bring in your you know your maybe your stud arm that you have, and they've got a matchup that kind of just works a little bit better. So nothing surprises me anymore, um, especially the places that I've I've played at over the years. You know. And, and it's funny, you know, you, you you upset a team, you know, like in Arkansas, and people are all they get all excited about that, and then you know you lose to somebody that you you probably shouldn't be losing to. So um, it's just c- kind of part of the dynamic of of, uh, of baseball in today's world. 
And, of course, last week we talked to you in the middle of your two-game series against Arkansas. And then the second game you fall to them. How were you able to get your team refocused and, uh, on the challenges ahead with a big series coming up against Texas State last week? Well, the big thing for us is we, we talk about it each week that the, the conference schedule is so important for us and what we're trying to do in, in building this thing. We know we're a little ways away when you're talking about trying to get an at-large bid and some of those things from an RPI standpoint. So the, the conference standings are you know, definitely important for us. And the big thing that we've focused on as a coaching staff is, is trying to teach our guys how to, how to win weekend series. And, um, you know, we've, we've stayed pretty diligent on that. We've had some tough weather that we've had to overcome really the whole season because we've played a number of doubleheaders now. I think we've played four doubleheaders on the weekend. And our guys have been in a lot of different scenarios, whether we've been – Two and zero, and trying to sweep, or we've been one and one, or we've been zero and two. You know, we've we've kind of been in all those different scenarios, and whether it's to uh, salvage a win like we had to do at South Alabama and at uh, UTA, we, we were able to do that. And then, you know, we're down one to nothing, uh, you know, against Texas State after Saturday's loss, and you know, find a way to win a doubleheader on Sunday. So we, we've, you know, that's the biggest thing for us is working on trying to get ourselves into into the conference tournament and then put ourselves in the best position possible for the conference tournament so that, you know, we don't have to play the play-in game. Or if we do have to play the play-in game, you know, we're in a in a, uh, a situation that we can be successful to, uh, you know, try to compete for a conference championship in the tournament. Uh, a huge weekend for you guys against Texas State to win that series versus the Bobcats. But th- two things that took place off the field, one of them, of course, being uh, – honoring the 2008 Sunbelt Conference champs. And I know that has been a big thing for you to kind of bring the past and, and, and connect it to the present of ULM baseball. How did you think that played out uh, honoring those well, guys? It, it was awesome. I think Coach Shake really enjoyed being back, and I know his players um, really appreciated it. I heard a lot of a lot of good responses for them. It was neat. You know, they presented us with a little bit of money, um, a little over two thousand. They had they said two thousand eight dollars on the check, but it was actually a little bit more than that. So, you know, that that speaks volumes of what they're trying to do and what they believe in. What what I'm trying to do and our coaching staffs trying to do. Um, you know, the weather was was not conducive for them. Um, I know a lot of them had their their young children there, and you know, Coach Shake got to see some of his grand players as as he called them. But uh, you know, you know, I, the game finished, and it was about 38 degrees when it, when we finished, and there was a little bit of the precipitation in the air. And I looked down the right field line, and a lot of them were still there. And so I was able to talk to them after the game, and that really meant a lot that they even stayed for you know the, the weather issues that we had. Um, and you know, really, really proud, and they were really, really proud of what we're trying to do. And um, like I said, it speaks volumes for the, the past players and. Not only the 2018, but there was a lot of other um, guys from the 90s were there, and and even from um, you know as recent as last year. So it was it was neat to have those guys, and uh, really thankful for everybody kind of coming together and, and and putting that weekend on for for uh, them. And then of course the Tessa Henderson or Hendricks um, uh, event it didn't go over on Friday with with the weather that we ended up having, but uh, on Sunday a lot of people were there and. We were able to raise over $1,200 for cancer research in, in honor of her. And, um, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to do things like that because uh, I think it's important. Um, it's, it's more than just baseball. You know, we're kind of in an entertainment business as well. And I think we're, you know, putting a good show out there. We're, we're trying to, 
you know, get people in the seats and uh, things like that, that we can we can help somebody that's so close to, you know, our family. With, with Cole being a senior for us, he's going through a lot. His family's going through a lot, and uh, we really need to have that event uh, that we were able to redo on Sunday as well. Just a side story, uh, Matt Collins, of course, an assistant coach for you, a member of that 2008 squad. In front of his uh, former teammates, he gets uh, run out of a game. So I'm sure he uh, took a little heat and some good-natured ribbing from his former teammates. Yeah, I'm sure he did. You know, I asked him after. I said, hey, did you get thrown out so you could go hang out with them down the line? I know they were having some, you know, Mr. Randall Garvin was making some fish plates. I didn't know if Matt was hungry or or any of those kind of things. But, uh, you know, it was an intense moment in in that position when that happened. And, uh, you know, we hated that he got thrown out at the same time. You know, it's part of the game sometimes. And, uh, you know, like I said, he was able to see some of his players. And I know that didn't have anything to do with why he got thrown out. But, uh, yeah, I think that, I think those guys enjoyed seeing how intense he was in that moment. All right, Michael Federico, ULM head baseball coach. We buried the lead. Of course, a huge series win against Texas State includes that doubleheader sweep of the Bobcats when you guys could only muster four hits, but you come out with two victories. We've talked about some weird things this year for this baseball squad. How unusual is this for uh, you guys to win those two games with not many hits? Aaron, I think you and I are getting used to talking about some weird scenarios because you, you and I have definitely talked about some some strange things that, that we've seen this year out of our out of our group of young men, and uh, definitely Sunday was was one of those when you're talking about getting four hits. Uh, you know, I talk to our guys a lot because. You know, we don't always, you know, put a bunch of hits on the board. But I tell you what we, we can do pretty well is, we, you know, we take our walks and um, we, we took advantage of some of their mistakes, uh, some of their errors and some of the mistakes on, on Sunday to overcome the, the lack of hits. But when you look at it, um, the first game, you know, we're down and um, we get a hit batsman on and, um, you know, we, we get a big hit. It's not just a hit, but it's a home run. It's a two-run home run by Turner Francis, uh, you know, a senior. You know, it's his last year of playing. And, uh, you know, we can say that we didn't have a lot of hits, but you're talking about a big hit when you're talking about a home run like that. And then, uh, you know, game two, I mean, we're getting no hits for seven and two-thirds innings. I mean, mm-hmm. the wind's blowing in. You know, we hit some balls pretty well, but it's kind of knocking some things down. And Chad Bell gets a two-out walk in the uh, eighth inning, and then Johnny Delacruz, you know, hits a double. Again, not not just a single, but gets a big hit to the backside of the field. And uh, with two outs, Chad Bell's running. He's running hard. Uh, their center fielder dives for the ball. I don't know if he probably would have dove for it if there's not a no-hitter intact because um, it was kind of one of those ones he probably shouldn't have dove, but he did, and it kind of scooted away a little bit from him and the right fielder. <clears throat> and Bell was – Bell was on his horse, and he scores from first base. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a big hit. So it wasn't a number of them, but uh, we had to get them at, at, the, at those moments, and we did, and uh, proud of those guys. Um, again, two seniors, Johnny De La Cruz and, uh, and Turner Francis. Again, you know, they're, they're, at their, they're at their last few weeks of playing baseball, and they, uh, they got it done when, when we needed to. And, heck, we played great defense, and we, we didn't walk anybody in game two. So, that's why you uh, you win a one nothing game, Coach. Your guys' style overall at the plate. Would you describe it as kind of like being grinders? Because I know you guys work them deep into the count, and you guys have played some uh, rather long games this year. Yeah, we're kind of the old. Uh, I joked with the uh, 
the ESPN crew, um, when they filmed our game last week at Arkansas, and um, we're kind of that old Princeton basketball team where we just mm. keep passing the ball and um, we try to we try to slow the game down. We have to. We don't have that you know that big firepower that you know we can get up there and swing at a first pitch sometimes um, and try to drive the ball out of the ballpark. So I, I do think that that's kind of the style of play we have. We slow the game down. Some some of our guys like Joey Jordan, he's he's the human rain delay. Uh, we try to you know try to aggravate the the opposing pitcher sometimes just by slowing things down. You know you hear about momentum, you hear about tempo a lot. Um, you know, you, you see it in football and you see it in basketball. And, um, you know, we, we just kind of slow some things down, and, and that's the style our guys have, have um, you know, bought into what Coach Collins and I are trying to do. It's not necessarily what, what we'd like to play, but uh, it's something that we have to do. And when you can see seven, eight pitches per batter, sometimes you can get into the bullpen a little bit quicker. And as a hitter, you can – you see the pitches that they're throwing, and, and sooner or later they're going to make a mistake. And, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily know that we might swing early in the count the second time through or the third time through. So it, it's worked for us. And, um, again, our guys have bought into it. You know, talking about Turner Francis, I think he has uh, six walks on the year where he has been down 0-2 and worked the count back to, you know, a walk. And uh, that's, that's a lot. Um, you know, it says a lot about some of the, the, the type of hitters that we have. And, uh, again, it's not always about the number of hits you have. And when you can take advantage of people's mistakes, um, like the walks and hit bats that we've, that we've gotten, and, um, you know, we were able to get hits when we need to. Warhawks now 17-15 and 15 overall, 6-6 six and six in conference play. Go on the road this weekend to score off against Little Rock, a, a Trojan squad that uh, had a very gaudy RPI just a, a week and a half ago. As you look at uh, Little Rock, what are you anticipating from them, Coach? Well, they've got three, you know, left-handed, quality left-handed starting pitchers. So, you know, a lot of times you don't go into a weekend knowing you're going to see three lefties. Typically, you know, there's maybe one lefty on the weekend that you're going to see. So we'll have our challenges with that because, you know, some of our some of our better hitters are left-handed and, um, you know, our righties are going to have to step up in those, in those moments. Um, you know, they're going to turn some of our switch hitters around and, and, and make them hit right-handed as well. But, uh, you know, Coach Curry's been there. This is his third year. He's kind of, uh, you know, got his style of play in there, and they're playing really well from what I understand. Just looking at some of the things so far this week, their first four hitters are really, really good. They've got a lot of, uh, you know, college at-bats under their belt. And, um, you know, we're going to have our challenges with that. Uh, of course, we're playing on turf. Looks like the weather may be a, of an issue again this weekend with, with some rain and some cold. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll go into it. And, and, you know, I think I've told you guys this a number of times. We can't necessarily worry about what they have. We have to kind of just take care of, um, you know, what, what happens in the Warhawk dugout and um, in our program. And we just we just got to be ready for the challenge. But every weekend's big. Um, it's hard to win in college baseball. And um, it's, it's going to be a you know, tough road trip. Coach, as always, we appreciate the time. Good luck up in Little Rock this week. Appreciate it, Aaron. Good talking to you. Michael Federico, ULM's head baseball coach, joining us for his weekly visit. Uh, we mentioned the 17 wins this year, 11-4 uh, and four at home for the Warhawks. Considering this program only won grand total of 12 games yeah. last year, and they already have 11 wins now at home. 
Uh, they're right there in the hunt of things. I mean, you're talking 12 games in the conference play and 6-6. Six and six. I don't think a lot of people foresaw that. No, and I feel like because of the success that Louisiana Tech has had this year, uh, ULM's progress from last year hasn't been talked about as much. I feel like you know Louisiana Tech's success has somewhat overshadowed ULM success, but let's look at what you know Federico and his, and his staff is doing at ULM. They are they are changing things, yeah. and they are they have had a quite a successful season so far. Uh, they'll be back home uh, next Friday versus uh, App State, Little Rock, of course, this week, and then a midweek game next week at Grambling on Tuesday. Let's take a timeout. You can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Hotline slash Text Line eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We're back after this on the Morning Drive. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. We solve hearing problems. If you've got hearing problems, chances are we can solve them. We want to get you back to life and living again with family and friends. Better hearing, better living is waiting here for you. West Monroe Hearing Healthcare. We solve hearing problems. Everything sounding distant Our parts of conversations missing We want to make it perfectly clear So you can begin living again Better hearing, hearing Better living Is waiting here for you West Monroe Hearing Healthcare West Monroe Hearing Healthcare We solve hearing problems when you want a mower that outmaneuvers, outperforms, and outdoes the competition, Cub Cadet Zero Turns have got you covered. Now Cub Cadet is offering exceptional financing, so it's easier than ever to bring your lawn to life. Stop by Yard Power, 7573 Highway 165 North in Monroe, your locally owned Cub Cadet dealer. For expert advice, superior service, and to take advantage of this exceptional offer. Offer subject to credit approval. Some restrictions apply. See store associate for detail. Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. A couple texts here. Ron weighs in, says, enjoy listening to the radio show on my way back from Baton Rouge, LSU versus Louisiana Tech. Red Peach app. Go tight. Get on it. Yeah. You being a company man, we probably should plug that more often than we do. We know a lot of people out there just aren't cruising around in their vehicles. You're at work. you got an opportunity to listen to the radio show in the morning. Sneak those earbuds in. Yeah. Visit that Red Peach app. That's where I listened to the game last night on. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty cool last night. Uh, Dave Nitz and, of course, Chris Blair hanging yeah. out. So, Chris Blair, of course, uh, scheduled to join us for his weekly visit. The voice of the LSU Tigers tomorrow at 8 o'clock. We need to get the Nitzer on here pretty soon, too. For sure. And, by the way. I'm finally going to talk about Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. Okay. I've been waiting all morning to talk about this. 
So I'm still in the show from you. I'm going to talk about this. Let so rip. the question here being, should Ben Simmons be eligible for rookie of the year? Did he play at LSU last year? No. Was it two years ago? Two years ago. <laughs> so he didn't play in a game last year. Yeah. He's not a rookie then. But he was on the team. Yeah. He traveled with the team. He, you know, mm-hmm. did all of the you trust the process, right? Well, he's up for rookie of the year, like it or not. And we can get into that debate in a minute. But this is an interesting debate to have because Donovan Mitchell has had the season that he's had. And, you know, Utah Jazz, nobody, nobody foresaw the year that they've had. Uh, you know, the plan as well as they have and, uh, you know, getting to be a top four seed. I mean, in- incredible season for Utah. So Mitchell has been the guy for them. This year, he's averaged 20.5 points per game, 3.7 assists per game, 3.7 rebounds per game. Then you look at Ben Simmons, he's averaged 15.9 points per game, 8.2 assists per game, and 8.2 rebounds per game. So, these have been, far and away, the two best rookies all season long. Quote, unquote, rookies. Um, So, now we're getting down to the stretch here. Last, you know, regular season game, so people have to decide, people have to send in their votes who is the NBA Rookie of the Year, and you could go either way. Now, because it's it's a lively debate right now, both Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell have been asked about this. Who would you vote for? Would you vote for yourself? Do you think you should win the NBA Rookie of the so Year? So they have the opportunity to take the high road, or they can throw some barbs. Or, or they can make their case. Or they can be or a, trash the other a guy. little arrogant. Yeah. They can be a little arrogant. And Ben Simmons was a little arrogant in his response to that on Monday. He said he had 100% pick himself for the award, and when he was asked which other rookies caught his eye, none was his response. So, last night, old Donovan Mitchell shows up to the game in a sweatshirt, and on that sweatshirt it says, Rookie, and it has the definition of rookie underneath it, saying... An athlete playing his or her first season as a member of a professional sports team. Now, this was meant to throw shade at Ben Simmons, and this was a hoodie designed by Adidas, but it opened the door. It opened the door for criticism because in it, it says playing his or her first season. So, in regards to to that definition, Ben Simmons is a rookie. (laughs) So, the sweatshirt kind of backfired. But nonetheless, I thought it was awesome they showed up in that and that sweatshirt and uh nba posted it on instagram and james harden commented said swag and joel Embiid uh just put a bunch of popcorn emojis so this is obviously getting the the um, it, it's attracting all everyone in the nba to this conversation and i think it's fun now who do you think should be the rookie of the year after i've said all this all this little um shade and all this little beef when you had, when you come down to it, when you're voting, who are you voting for, Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons? This isn't Simmons' class. His class was the year before. He's not a rookie. He is a newcomer, but by definition, he should not be considered a rookie. The five, what was he on campus at LSU for five or six months? He probably skipped a class on how to be tactful, how to be humble. I skipped a lot of classes. <laughs> we remember that story like Ben Simmons not going to play tonight. What? Here's my oh, thing. Oh, he's not going to class. Okay, hold up. The whole humble thing. 
I like it. Yeah. I like that he's not humble. Yeah. I, I like that these guys have personalities and that. Then you can't have it both ways. And then you come in every morning and you're irritated on, by Clay Travis. You're like, that guy is the most arrogant, pompous dude out there. Uh, here's a correction for you. Those guys are talented. Those guys, those guys are go out there and they make amazing plays. And I want them to tell me how good they are because this isn't, oh, you know, I, I think I'm a good player, and but they're good players too. We're all good players. We're all just having fun. No, I want you well, to tell me. What's that impersonation of there? I man. don't know. But I want them to come out there and tell me, hey, I'm the best in the world. I can beat anybody you put in front of me. I love that. I love that from an athlete. But when you – Compare it to a radio host who's <laughs> sitting here talking about his money and all this. Come on, man. Come on. That's not even comparable. So let's not even go down that road. I want to say this. Uh, one more thing on this with Donovan Mitchell. He said, I'll say this. I'll put it in perspective for people who obviously don't play in the NBA and don't know the life of the NBA. So let's say you have an exam to take on June 1st and you have a whole year to study for that exam. You're going to get a pretty good grade on it, aren't you? But some people may not have all that time to prepare for that exam. So that's how I look at it, and I hope that puts it in perspective for people. But at the end of the day, we're in the fourth seed. I got the defensive player of the year and the coach of the year on my team, so I'm happy. Yeah. All right, look at Aaron. And got with a name like Aaron, he comes up with a sound argument. Now, if you're a multimillionaire last year and had access to all the coaches and train staff of professional team, then I do not think you can call yourself a rookie. Oh, great point. Had another year of seasoning. Or he probably could have just stayed at LSU for one more year and he would have had that seasoning <laughs> also. He wouldn't have been eligible, but he could have. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been real well. Uh, John says, like in baseball, if they're on the pro roster for a service year, practicing with the team and learning the system, they aren't a rookie anymore. Yeah. So people agree with us yeah. that he shouldn't be considered for rookie of the year. Panther fan doesn't put this in context. Maybe you should elaborate. Just says stop. Just stop. Probably about Clay Travis. Uh, Charlie says, don't be jealous, yeah. LOL. Yeah. Aaron says, it's difficult to listen to Clay Travis read commercials. He's just awkward. But he's a millionaire. And he'll he's a millionaire. He'll tell you about it. There you go. Who knew there would be such a debate for the rookie of the year in the NBA? Yeah, well, I like it, though. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, what a player. And the fact that, you know, he's got – a lot of his peers respect him. Like I, I'll reference that Kevin Durant, uh, Bill Simmons podcast I listen to. Just hearing Kevin Durant talk about him, you know, it just goes to show you how talented he is and how much these NBA players think of him. Ben Simmons, I mean, he could, you know, Dr. J talking about him, how he could be a, you know, a once in a decade player, or, you know, the player of his generation possibly. I mean, he has that type of talent. But as we've all discussed, he was on the roster last year, not a rookie. Uh, that's the segment that's going to come up during the summer top ten Thursdays. Jake's top ten podcast. That'll be an award winner. Uh, hopefully, he'll be on vacation. Yeah. Well. <laughs> hey, uh, we do need to talk a little uh, NBA. Just this big ball game tonight with the the Pels and what this means for playoff seeding. Well, yeah. Uh, both the Pels and Spurs come into this game at forty-seven to thirty-four. Um, my thing here in looking at this game is Lamarcus Aldridge. You know, he's a great regular season player, but he sort of fades in the playoffs. Now, with th I know this isn't a postseason game, but it might as well be. You're both playing for playoff seeds, and, you know, this being a NOLA, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. 
will he shrink against the Pels front court? That's my question for tonight. But if you look back, you know, the Pels lost 98 to 93 against the Spurs the last time they met. And in February, the Pels beat the Spurs 121 to 116. So if you want to look at what must happen um, in terms of seeding, I can lay out those scenarios if you can follow with me here. Uh, so for the Pelicans to get the number five seed, they have to beat San Antonio, and Memphis has to beat Oklahoma City. New Orleans would then face the winner of Portland and Utah in the first round. Um, another scenario is if they beat San Antonio, Oklahoma City beats Memphis, and Utah beats Portland. New Orleans would then face Portland in the first round. So for them to get the number six seed, they would have to beat San Antonio, Oklahoma City beats Memphis, and Portland beats Utah. New Orleans would then again face Portland in the first round. And for the Pelicans to get the seventh seed, they have they would lose tonight, and Oklahoma City would lose to Memphis. Don't see Oklahoma City losing to Memphis. Mm. New Orleans would face Golden State in the first round. And for New Orleans to get the number eight seed, they would lose to San Antonio, and Oklahoma City would lose to Memphis. New Orleans would face Houston in the first round. So that's exactly don't what, test me on that. That's exactly what I don't want. Like that's what I don't want to happen. I don't want New Orleans to have to face Houston. I'd rather them face the Warriors because they just proved last week that they can beat the Warriors without Steph Curry. Now I understand playoff Warriors is going to be a totally different story, and we know how tough it is to win at Oracle, but. I still give them a better chance to beat the Warriors without Steph Curry in the first round than just beating the Houston Rockets straight up in the postseason play. Uh, bottom line, uh, the winner of the Pell Spurs tonight will get the five or the six seed. The loser automatically drops to even either seven or eight. Yes. So, fingers crossed it's not eight. Let's take a timeout coming up. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive is back after this. Get your craw daddies now at Randall's Fine Meats. Randall's Fine Meats has your craw daddies ready to go every day. Low prices for live or boiled. Ask about their five and ten pound specials on some of the best crawfish around. Plus, Randall's will even cater your next event. Just give them a call, 343-0382, and book in advance. Randall's also has your specialty stuffed meats. And you have to try his fried cracklins. At Randall's, like them on Facebook or just stop on by. Randall's Fine Meats, 4205 Old Sterlington Road, Monroe. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price, for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. Rocket Fast Car Wash. Rocket Fast. It's a blast. And your vehicle is clean. Keep your car spotless with the Rocket Fast Unlimited Wash Pass. For as little as $19.95 per month, you can wash your car as often as you want. And while you're there, you can always enjoy our free vacs. The Fast Pass is good at all seven Rocket Fast locations, from Monroe to Shreveport, including our newest at I-49 and Piermont Avenue. Rocket Fast, the fast and easy way to wash your car. 
Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. We continue to ask people to weigh in. Top 10 Thursday tomorrow. Uh, we had a couple ideas, but we ultimately decided, or the listeners decided, that we needed to go the route of NBA tomorrow. Correct, Jake? Yep. And on our poll, we've asked what should be our top 10 Thursday topic, the biggest NBA egos, the biggest NBA playoff upsets, or the best players in playoffs. Now, I personally kind of hope the best players in the playoffs wins. I think that would be fun, just kind of debating who were the top 10 best players in the NBA. Is there any sound elements that we can uh, put in there? Mm, I mean, you can probably LeBron's get a sound clip of somebody dunking. LeBron's best uh, arrogant quotes? <laughs> well, yeah, that would work for the ego uh-huh. more so than anything else. Uh, yeah, in playoff upset, you could have the sound from from those upsets, but I still would rather do the players. All right. Well, we'll see if it wins out. Players are winning right now. Uh, We continue to count down to the NFL draft. Now, what, uh, two weeks away? April 26th through the 28th. So, yes, about two weeks away. Um, You look at this draft, and I was just reading this morning Larry Holder's story. He he puts up a mock draft like every week. Uh, This is his fourth mock draft. And this just goes to show you how all over the place the New Orleans Saints are with that. Uh, number 27 pick. And this one, you'll never guess what position he has, and it's cornerback, Ooh. Josh Jackson from Iowa. Which, who, I mean, he's a great player. Oh, dude, that guy was phenomenal yes, last year. He really was. Um, and I, I don't hate the pick. I just look at it, and you initially think, you know, defensive line, tight end, you know, one of those positions. I don't think cornerback first because you have, you know, Marcus Lattimore – and Crawley, plus you got Patrick Robinson uh, coming on. So I don't know. I just, I, cornerback's not what I was looking, but if Josh Jackson were to fall at number 27, I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate it if the New Orleans Saints picked him. But what was funny about this mock draft was, you know, you go to the Saints' next pick, which comes in the third round, and in the third round, they have Arden Key. Mm. What that could be a realistic possibility. The way Arden Key's stock has, you know, fallen to the third round, he could possibly fall into the New Orleans Saints' hands in the third round. You don't, you're not buying that. Yeah, I, I think he's dropping like a rock. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's an opportunity. Are you? Were you? And then that? would you be uh, the risk and reward? I mean, would you be willing to give up a third rounder for a guy that immense talent? I think it's worth the gamble at that point. I think it is worth the gamble. For well, I say that, round. but once again, we still don't know the issues back in, in the spring and what took place, and, and of course the background. And hopefully, you know these. Th- and this is the other thing. So we're going to give a, this kid uh, all this amount of money, and we've already seen perhaps these telling time signs of his uh, maybe perhaps lack of work ethic, uh, injury prone, and then also. He knew that he had one of the biggest tests of his career coming up. The fact he's meeting with all these NFL coaches and pro day, and he runs a four eight one, four eight five, whatever it was. Just slow. Four eight five, four eight seven, and he also I don't think he did great in talking to the media either. Just you know, you had all this time to prepare, and you came off as very very arrogant. 
Um, but hopefully what I was about to say is mm. hopefully these teams do their due diligence. And if it, this case be in the Saints, that they would understand what went wrong and how to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. Ben says, I'd run for Martin Key. Disaster written all over him. Character issues plus still being close to Baton Rouge. No thanks. Very good point. The proximity to Baton Rouge. Yeah. And like you said, when they get that money, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to, you know. You there can't, won't be as much money as a third rounder, though. <laughs> no, but you can't uh, You can't do the Dez method where you give him a uh, – um, where, where you have him come in at a certain time, you know. I, I just – I, I'm like you. I think it's too big of a risk. But at that same token, if he somehow gets back to the player he was, man, that's a home run in the third round. You want to talk about a great teaching point for uh, Ed Orgeron, though. If Arden Key does fall to the third or fourth round, and he can always go back to him and say, hey, well, look at what happened to Arden Key. Yeah. If you think you can just mail it in for your final year of you know in college, well, that's not the case. If you think you're going to be a junior and you think you're going to have these opportunities go high, you still have to go out there and perform. Absolutely. Great teaching moment. Uh, my other NFL draft question for you, I was looking at a mock draft on CBS Sports, and of course you can imagine tons of quarterbacks being taken early and often, so much so that Saquon Barkley fell to number seven wow. on this mock draft. What are the odds that he falls out of the top five? He's not going to fall out of the top five. You don't think so? Who's the mock draft by? Uh, this is CBS Sports. Uh, <laughs> if it was Mel Kiper, would you have more faith? You shouldn't. <laughs> uh, in this mock draft, they have the Browns taking Josh Allen at number one. New York Giants taking Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. The Jets taking Josh Rosen. And then Cleveland Browns taking Bradley Chubb from uh, NC State, which is a really good pick. And then Buffalo coming back and taking Baker. Mm. And then they have Indy taking... Uh, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, the, the big guard, and then they have uh, Tampa Bay taking Saquon Barkley. I don't know. I just well, once they start to run at quarterbacks, and then the other franchises start to panic in terms of, oh, we're not going to get our quarterback. You think somebody oh, trades up? Get, yeah. Is there? Let me ask you this question: Is there any chance that five quarterbacks go in the top five picks? Let's hope not. Seriously, of those five, how many are going to fail? Well, uh, statistics tell you that more than half. Um, but my, my question here is, the reason why I ask that is somebody could trade with Cleveland, try to jump ahead of Buffalo to get Baker, and then Buffalo would likely get Lamar Jackson. So you, you could very well see a possibility of five quarterbacks being taken in the top five picks. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from James Cooper from Grambling. Man, they nearly pulled an upset against the second-ranked team in the country. They fall a little bit short. You'll hear from Coop coming up after the break, plus our parting shots in the morning draft. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. 
zero turns with unlimited possibilities. Now for $200 off. For a mower that outmaneuvers, outperforms, and outdoes the competition, Cub Cadet Zero Turns have you covered. Now Cub Cadet is offering up to $200 off select residential zero turns for a limited time. So it's easier than ever to bring your lawn to life. Stop by Yard Power, 7573 Highway 165 North. Your locally owned Cub Cadet dealer for expert advice, superior service, and to take advantage of this exceptional offer. Not eligible on other models, specifications, or programs change without notice if your gas gauge doesn't work you might run out if your speedometer doesn't work you might get a ticket don't risk either one happening to you if the gauges in your car don't work call or come by dash solutions in west monroe they can fix anything that's broken and most repairs are done in less than an hour the solution to broken gauges is dash solutions i-20 at fifth street in west monroe 355-8595 355-8595. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Good morning. Here's latest weather conditions for area. Plenty of sunshine in the forecast for today with a high of 78 degrees. Clear skies and a bit cool tonight, a low 52. Sunny skies with warmer temperatures in the forecast for tomorrow and a high of 82 degrees. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive. Uh, some major storylines from college baseball last night. Of course, uh, LSU taking care of business versus Louisiana Tech 2-0, holding the Bulldogs to two hits. And then the game that had uh, the Twitter world just buzzing last night, Grambling versus the second-ranked team in the country, a great ball game that went right down to the last pitch, but ultimately the Tigers lose a heartbreaker to the Hogs, 7-6. to six. Now join us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline, Grambling's head coach, James Cooper. Coop, how you doing? Good morning, fellas. How's it going? Good. Uh, I guess it was a, a little bit of a sleepless night for you and the Tigers. Yeah, that was a tough one, man. You know, you... You know, as a, as a coach and also as a player, you know, you're going to find yourself in games. And a lot of times, you know, you're going to find yourself winning games that you probably shouldn't win. And you're also going to find yourself losing games that you think you probably shouldn't lose. And I and I think this one goes in that category. Coach, we've talked about it numerous times throughout the years about you guys shocking the world, shocking the nation. As that thing's playing out, uh, are you counting down the outs or are you just figuring we need to get a couple more runs to make this thing happen? Not not really counting down the outs. We're just trying to score more runs. Um, you know, we was up one zero early, and you know the chatter in the dugout. You know, was you know this lead is not big enough. And uh, you know, even when we we scored four in the um, top of the eighth, you know, we were still thinking like, hey, three runs not going to be big enough. And you know, anytime you're facing a team that's that's highly touted as you know Arkansas is, and a team that's you know has a history of doing things right, you know, making it to regionals, super regionals, and of course Omaha. Then you have to try to play as clean as possible, you know, to give yourself the best chance to win. And you know, uh, in in a couple of innings, you know, we didn't play clean. You know, we we missed a hit and run. It burned us. 
Um, you know, we had a, a swinging bunt with two outs that was hit to, you know, our pitcher. They had a runner on third. You know, we didn't make that play and get that out at first base, so they was able to score a run that way. Uh, you know, that play has to be made. Uh, and, and then also in the inning where they had their, their biggest rally, uh, it was runs on first and third. It was one out, you know, and it was a base hit hit to our right fielder. And on that base hit, the runner at first is easily going from first to third. And he was hustling, and the third base coach was calling him extremely hard. You know, our right fielder bobbled the ball and gets the ball in kind of late. And the guy scores from first base on a base hit to right field. And, and, and that burned us as well. And, you know, uh, we, we knew we were going to be the underdog. And, you know, in underdog games like that, man, you just have to play clean. And we didn't really play clean enough in those three spots right there to win that game when you're playing against a team that's as good as Arkansas. Coach, I'm always curious about the dynamic of a game like this, and I'm sure there was a ton of Arkansas fans there. Saw a reported crowd of close to 8,000. How does the atmosphere change as the game kind of progresses? Because I'm sure a lot of them figured they'd only be there for a few innings and then could call it a night. Yeah, it, it was it was up and down. Um, you know, we – Got the crowd kind of silent, you know, when we scored the first run in the first inning. Um, you know, we was able to put up some zeros, and then, you know, like a a really good team does, you know, they answered, and, of course, they got the crowd back in the game. But, you know, we, we took the crowd out the game with that four-run inning in the top of the eighth. Um, you know, you actually got a chance to see fans leaving the stands. Um, you know, we had guys just – um, but my pitching coach, man, I, I need to, you know, really pat him on the back because, um, you know, the way he set up the, the rotation to use certain guys in certain situations and the order that he uh, wanted to use those guys in, you know, really paid off and really kept their hitters off balance. And, um, you know, if, if we don't have the guys set up in those situations to, to come in, you know, that game probably not going to be that close. And, uh, you know, it just, it just got away from us, man. You know, the – we didn't make enough plays to win the game. Um, or you could say we didn't make enough plays to finish the game. Yeah, you literally used, I think, what, eight pitchers last night and the longest one uh, being your starter going two innings. Yeah, we went two innings and then didn't give up any runs. And, you know, from there it was we just played the matchup. We looked at the hitter and had an idea of what kind of hitter he was and, and used the scout report and, and then made the call to the bullpen. And when they got inning was over, Whoever we had left, uh, we, we went with the matchup for, for the next three hitters or however many hitters were coming up. And uh, the, the key in, in, in that game was the fact that, you know, we pitched two left-hand pitchers out of the bullpen, and they, they came in at the perfect time and faced the right hitters to, you know, uh, keep the lead right where it was at. And then also, you know, it allowed us to uh, gather ourselves offensively to kind of, you know, generate some more runs, and that's when that, that beginning came around for us. James Cooper, Grambling's head coach, joins us on the Stuart Shelby hotline following a heartbreaking loss to the second-ranked team in the country last night, 7-6, to six, after Grambling took the lead in the eighth inning. Coop, uh, tough losses like this, kind of what was your message to the team immediately after the game and as you guys progressed back on the way on the bus? Well, you know, I told them that, man, they, they've been cheating us. I told them they, they've been cheating Grambling as well because, you know, we, we, we played, you know, the, the, the two ranked teams on our schedule this year. You know, we played LSU clean for uh, six and a third innings. We played uh, Arkansas clean for, uh, you know, almost eight innings. And 
And, you know, you find yourself dropping games to uh, teams like Prairie View and Arkansas Pine Bluff and Southern. And, and it's just been a testament of how we, we play up to our level of competition and we also play down to it. Uh, you know, I, I've heard coaches in the past, you know, talk about uh, treating every opportunity like it's your last and, you know, treating every opponent like they're a, a highly ranked opponent, you know, to get the best out of your out of yourself and also out of yourself as a baseball player. And that's something we just haven't been doing. Uh, you know, that, that, that was the message last night. You know, you only get, you know, one opportunity to – you know, shock the world like this. And now uh, who's to say it's going to come again? Uh, you know, who's to say they're going to be ranked number two? You know, who's to say we're going to have that same crowd next time we play them? Who's to say we're even going to play them again? So, you know, whenever you get that opportunity, you got to make the best of it. And, you know, last night, you know, we had a grip on it, but, you know, we didn't put two hands on it and it slipped out of our control. Uh, you guys jump back into SWAC play uh, this weekend at home versus Arkansas Pine Bluff. What do you anticipate? Well, you know, uh, we, we beat them two out of two or three at their place. Um, and, you know, Coach James does a good job of getting his guys fired up. He's going to be in the 10th series. It's senior day uh, this weekend for us as well. On on Friday, we'll be playing at 6 o'clock. On Saturday, we'll be playing at 4, four o'clock. And then on Sunday, we'll be playing at 1. Uh, Sunday will be our senior day. It'll be our seniors' last time getting dressed for a swag weekend series here at home. Uh, and I definitely want them to go out on a good note. Wow, Coach, I did not realize that. Uh, basically, you got uh, ULM at home next Tuesday, but that's literally your last home game. Odd uh, schedule there. Yeah, it, it's just the way it fell this year because on, in the first half, we had three out of four of our first conference series at home. Uh, and it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, and uh, there was another team uh, It's escaping my memory right now, but there was another team on our side that was just like that. So it's just the way the ball rolls or the way the schedule is printed out. You know, it just happened to be us and one other team this year. But, you know, on a, on a positive note, next year we'll have three out of four at home during the second half. So it'll kind of work out in our favor next year. Coach, as always, appreciate the time. The sun did come up this morning. Yeah, it did, man. I'm actually dropping Jackson off to school. He's smiling at me right now trying to figure out while we still sitting in a truck over here at First Baptist Church. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. James Cooper, Grambling's head coach. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. I didn't really think about uh, the LSU game when we were talking about the Arkansas game today. But, yeah, they played both yeah. LSU and Arkansas really, really tough. Oh. Let's get to our parting shots. I started when we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that garbage. You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Have something to ask, just like this, let's do it. That's where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? But see, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is. And that, to me, that's chicken. That still may be one of my favorite parting shots. Has to be. Has to be. My parting shot today <clears throat> is about the HBO movie Paterno. Mm -hmm. I've yet to watch the whole movie. And by the way, uh, we have not talked about Andre the Giant documentary. I heard it continues to get just rave reviews. It uh, dropped or hit last, uh, night. last night. I didn't get to watch it, um, but I hope to watch it at some point today. If you've seen it. Let us, Texas, let us know. Yeah. yeah. High roll over here. That's right. Uh, 
Mike Clay Travis over here. Um, <laughs> anyway, about Paterno. No, there would be a documentary on you on HBO if you're Clay Travis. That's true. Yeah. About this Paterno movie, though, I'm only halfway through it. It's not an easy watch. Like, first of all, because – Subject matter? The subject matter. Second of all, because you know what's going to happen. Like, you know the details. We followed it so closely. Um and thirdly, those those graphic details, you know, I mean, it's like li- reliving those details. You're just like, ah, this is tough. So it's taken multiple sittings for me to finish the movie, but I do want to see how they portray Paterno at the end. But I'm halfway through it. Anyway, I say this because uh, 300 or so Penn State football players got together and came out with a statement about uh, this Paterno movie. And they said, sadly and wrongly, HBO's Paterno um, – is not the movie that best illustrates what Joe Paterno is. It has been described by producer Barry Levinson as a work of fiction, which is likely the only truth in the entire project. Incredibly, in making the movie, Levinson and his team never consulted a single person who was close to, worked with, or was coached by Joe Paterno, not even a family member or us, who undoubtedly knew him best of all. And they go on to say, as a result, uh, this uninformed depiction of Joe fails in every manner about the man we knew and loved, Deviously using fiction as his shield, Levinson takes shameless liberties about the Sandusky scandal and Joe's knowledge of it that would certainly be proven uh, libelous if Joe were alive today. So thumbs down by them. Thumbs down by them. <laughs> I mean, th- reading this, though, it's got me curious to finish it and see how they ultimately portray. But uh, so far in the movie, you know, Joe is well aware of, of what's going on, and he continues to drop uh, – little things that happened in the past to his family and his family's like mm. appalled that he knew it was going on and that's kind of where i'm at in the movie star-studded cast correct al pacino's fantastic that's pretty star-studded yeah he is fantastic as joe paterno looks just like some him. of the journalist stuff gets me just because we know how that world works and it's the way she goes about getting the story and just a lot of the media stuff i'm just like shaking my head like this is a stretch but other than that pretty good uh, my parting shot over the next couple of days is going to be pretty busy with some uh, signings across northeast louisiana it usually doesn't get the fanfare the publicity the course of a national signing day uh, the two national signing days in football but happy for these kids is uh, they'll get an opportunity of course to play at the next level absolutely the best part of it is of course besides the kids and smiling ear to ear is of course the parents standing behind them and them knowing the impact this is and the financial burden exactly. that has been lifted from a majority of them. I would be smiling, too. <laughs> All right, coming up tomorrow, it is a Thursday, so it'll be top ten of Thursday, and we will have uh, the countdown on. The subject matter will be. I did say we would find out at the end of the show, and so whoever's leading this poll, that's what we're going with, and I'm pulling up the poll now. Also coming up tomorrow, uh, we'll talk a little Louisiana Tech football. Assistant Bulldog coach Joe Sloan will join us at 8.15. We'll talk a little uh, LSU athletics with Chris Blair. He will join us for his weekly visit at 8 o'clock. So best players in playoffs got 37% of the votes, which squeaked out a victory against biggest NBA egos at 36%. So best NBA, uh, best players in the playoffs. That's where we're going with tomorrow. You can hit us up then. Everybody have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to Morning Drive. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.